Greetings on this good day that the Lord has made. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I encourage you to learn more about the amazing work we're doing all around the world. You can go to traincpe.org or you can follow all the links from our webpage, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also learn about our Missions Church Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. And it's from that fellowship that we share with you today, God's Word. And can I let you in on something? It's okay to be proud of your nation and your national heritage. God created nations, and God instills in us a pride for our nation. Now, it's what you do with that pride that matters. If you have your Bibles handy, take it and turn to Acts chapter 17, and we'll begin our message reading from verses 26 and 28. Paul is in Athens. He's been provoked by the idolatry that's throughout that city. He's gone in their marketplace and begun to reason with them, the word says, or contend with them. The word there is dialogue. He began to discuss and talk with them in order that he might present to them the way of life through Jesus Christ. There's a rumor. People are not fully understanding him. The rumor gets back to the men at Mars Hill, which was kind of like the philosophical think tank of that city, that he was speaking of some strange gods. They were always in it for new gods in the area, so they wanted him to come speak to them. He made his way to Mars Hill. There on Mars Hill, Paul very boldly proclaims the gospel to them. If you ever get a chance to travel to Athens, go up to Mars Hill, there in the heart of ancient Athens. Go stand on the rock. It's just a big marble slab. And that's where Paul would have proclaimed this message that he gave. There are a lot of people who teach that Paul was being too philosophical and he was soft-pedaling the gospel because he was trying so hard to relate to the Athenians. And so after this, he changed his plan and he got back to the Word of God. But you read the message he spoke. And then you stand on that rock and you look out around Athens and you'll see that Paul's message was a very aggressive, uh, forceful, in a sense, denial of all the idolatry around them and that there was one God alone that they were to worship and that God he proclaimed to them and he ended the message by proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the judgment of God upon those who do not repent and turn to him it's a very forceful message there's nothing politically correct in it whatsoever let me read to you these three verses that we read here in the midst of his speech speaking of God and he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. So what I want to speak about this morning, I want to actually advocate for a Christian nationalism or a patriotic Christianity. I know the word nationalism and maybe even patriotism have been expressed as something that may not be the proper words to use in our day and age, but I'm going to stick to them and I'm going to explain them to you. When I speak of nationalism, I'm not speaking of an exclusive interest in our own country that would somehow exclude our interest in the concerns for the needs of other nations as well. That would not be Christian. But I speak of a love for country that would cause us to take greatest interest 
in the greatest need of all the nations. To start with, I just want to make some preliminary statements, and I have a few points I want to make, and so there's almost like two sermons here, all right? Just a little preliminary background of what it is I want to say later. I want us to begin with this understanding. Nations are God's idea. Nations are God's idea. Whatever the mediating forces are that brought about the rise of various nations, whatever the political machinations were, whatever the congealing of the moment and opportunity and time in which powerful men rose up or in which people gathered together to form a nation, ultimately God is the one that was behind all those nations. Whatever might be the tyrannies that roil over those nations or whatever are the positive influences that those nations bore, all of these things ultimately at the bottom of it all and the initiating of all of them was the decree of the all-powerful God who rules in all of history. He's determined the rise and fall of every nation and he's determined the boundaries of their dominions. That is what Paul is saying to the Athenians in Acts chapter 17. And these nations have a primary purpose and Paul lets that be known as well. God gives these nations to individuals as the environments and places in which he may be discovered. God is not actually hidden from people's view. They grope for him, and it's a picture of a blind man seeking to find something before them. But it is not God who has hidden himself. It is man who is blind in their sins. Still, God gives them these places and gives them in these circumstantial nations the opportunity to discover him and find him if they will seek for him and search for him in those places and in those circumstances. Nations are God's idea. God makes them. God makes them as a place and as the points and as the environments in which men may search for him and seek him and find him. I don't know and I don't understand exactly how this works, but it appears that the establishment of individual nations actually increases the opportunity for men to find God. When nations, when we read signs of the rebellion of men and men turning from God, we see them uniting together over one government or one unit in the world. And so we had the story of Babylon when all men, instead of diffusing over the face of the earth, united in one place and God confused their languages. And we might consider that a judgment, but ultimately it was a mercy. We might have somebody explore this on some occasion. It might be a great doctoral thesis someone could write. Why is it that men are more prone to search for God in their own nation states than in one mass government? But that's the teaching we have. That's the thing we should understand. And we should understand in the last day that there will be a reunification, a moving together of the nations as one great Babylon. And again, it's a moving away from God and man moving into himself. So God has established nations as these places where people might seek for God and find him, although God is not far from any of them. It's not saying, listen, the reason that God is distant from you and the reason you're groping for him is not because I've left you, you're within me. I overrule and I preside over all the experiences of your life. It's because of your sin that that's taken place, but still. Here is a place and an opportunity for you to seek me. One of the nations that God raised up was Israel. Israel was to be an ambassadorial nation representing God's desire to bless all of the nations. And God actually promised Abraham that he would out of Abraham, bring up a nation that would be a blessing for all the nations of the earth. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 12. When God comes to Abraham, he gives Abraham a promise. In verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 12, God says this to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, and in you 
All the families of the earth shall be blessed. God had a plan for the nation Israel that they would bear to the world his name and that they would bear to the world his word and his will and that they would through them bring to the world his Messiah. And this blessing was a plan that God was making for all of the nations of the earth, that he would use Israel as this ambassadorial nation to bring his blessing to all the nations of the earth. But Israel failed to faithfully bear that name and failed to faithfully bear forth that word as a witness to all the nations of the earth. Although they failed in these ways, God still brought his Messiah from them. And this Messiah, the Lord Jesus, came before his church that he formed, and in a sense he gave to us this assignment to carry forward the mission that had belonged to Israel. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, after the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, he came to the church and imposed upon us this ambassadorial role to the world, this role that the nation of Israel had been unfaithful in fulfilling. Jesus came among them, we see, to the apostles and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. God's plan, God's program is a plan and a program for the nations. God made the nations. God has a plan for the nations. Actually, Psalms 22, verses 27 and 28, speaks of the day when all of the nations shall rest under the blessed rule of God himself. There it says, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. That's the song of triumph that will be sung in the last days when Christ returns to establish his kingdom on the earth. In fact, in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, we have a picture of that moment when Christ seizes the sovereign authority to execute his sovereign will in the final outworking of his plans for the earth and for all history and for all the nations. And in that moment, the redeemed that are before the throne sing out in praise of the masterful work that Christ has done and the work that he's about to accomplish and fulfill. And they say in verses 9 and 10 of Revelation 5, You were slain and redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth. And the song is sung, Lord, here we are, present before you. People from every tongue, every tribe, every race, it says, and every nation before you. As you read your Bible, you'll see that there is a completion of God's salvation as he unites together a redeemed people from all the earth worshiping him and praising him forever and ever. And this redemption that God brings to all the people here in Revelation 5, we see, does not wipe away our individual identities. It doesn't wipe away what we are to this day. It doesn't wipe away our race. It doesn't wipe away our language. I think there'll be a wonderful blending together of all the tongues. Oftentimes I have the opportunity to travel overseas and we'll find songs that we know together and we'll have brothers singing fully in their tongue and I'll be singing out in English and actually it sounds quite good. So we sing together. We know what we're singing together and our languages won't be wiped away, and I, I, don't, I don't think our nationalities will as well. 
If you go to different missions conferences that I've been to, and the national conference of the denomination that I belong to every year or every two years, they have an annual council, and there they bring back missionaries from all around the world that they've sent out, and they bring back national leaders from those countries as well to give their various reports. And there's a service that takes place at the end of the time, and the, there are flags that are all around the council representing all the countries where they're working, and then those flags are taken hold of by different dignitaries from those countries and missionaries come forward dressed in the unique clothes of those countries and then we sing these tremendous praise songs as they march around and around the floor and they're dancing and they're wearing all the different regalia of their nation and I think that's what's going to happen in heaven. I think maybe the only flag that's not going to be in heaven is the Christian flag that we've developed and we've put up in some of our churches because the Bible says that the Lord Jesus is our banner. And his love for us is our banner, and he, he waves his own life over us. But then we still will have our identities, and we'll praise God that out of every tongue and every tribe and every nation, he's raised up to people to his name, and we'll worship him there. And so, as I said, nations are God's ideas, and God's desires that the nations might be brought to him. The Bible actually says that this gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come because it's God's great plan. Basically, God is saying, you carry forward the ministry to reach lost people around the world for me, and I'll tell you when your work is done, and when you've completed the task that I've given you, and it's done, I'll come. And then I'll be exalted among all the nations. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.